Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So over the last 50 months, I've said what I'm about to say to you right now many, many times. But I want to tell you before I say it that I feel it like as much now, maybe more now than I did even 15 months ago. Wherever you're watching this sermon, whenever you are listening to this sermon, I want to tell you that it's actually an incredible honor that we would be here together today. So full disclosure, I originally recorded the sermon that I'm about to preach to you 10 days ago. See, my goal was to take a little bit of time off this week and have this sermon as recorded. But in light of some of the events that have happened in our world, in our nation, in our province, even over these last days, I knew that I needed to be here with you to address them, especially in light of the topic of our sermon today. So in case you haven't heard, and you probably have, just over a week ago, it came to light that there was a mass grave. And in that mass grave in Kamloops, British Columbia, there was the remains of 215 indigenous boys and girls. Further, that mass grave was found to be located on the site of a residential school. Now, the residential school system in Canada was a goal by the government, funded by the government, and yet implemented and instituted by the church, the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. And the goal, I guess, was to take these Indigenous children out of the culture that they were in and put them into this new Canadian culture. So during the years of the residential schools, 150,000 Indigenous children between the ages of 6 and 16 were removed from their homes forcibly and sent to these residential schools. I don't know exactly what the stated objective of the school was, but can I tell you what actually happened? What actually happened was dishonor. What actually happened was racism. What actually happened was abuse. Out of the 150,000 children that went to those schools, at least 6,000 are confirmed dead and many more are missing. And we stand here today knowing that this systematic racism didn't happen over there somewhere, but it happened right here. And so what I wanted to do before I go any further today is I wanted to take a moment's silence. But before we do, I want to remind you that this didn't happen over there somewhere, and it didn't happen way back in the day. The effects of this are still being felt for a couple of reasons. Number one, the last residential school didn't close until 1996. And because of intergenerational trauma, there are millions of people still feeling the effects of this today. Millions of people in your neighborhood, millions of people in your city, millions of people in this church family that we call Southside. So what I wanted to do is I wanted for all of us Right now, if you're comfortable, wherever you are, at home, um, at a restaurant, at the lake, if you would just stand up and let's take a moment's silence just to remember what was lost, not only for those 215 and their families, but for all of those who experienced that trauma.
Thank you. And I guess what makes it even more heartbreaking for me is the realization that this plan, this systematic racism, this dishonor and this abuse was implemented and instituted by the church. That people who said to represent Jesus Christ did the opposite of what Jesus would have done. See, Jesus is full of grace and mercy and love and honor and value. And these residential schools were about dishonor, racism, and abuse. So what I want to do right now is I want to pray. I want to pray for healing for our country, healing for our churches, but most importantly, healing for our indigenous brothers and sisters. Let's pray. So God, we do come before you right now. And we pray healing. We pray healing for the families of these 215 children. We pray healing for all of the millions of family members and friends of all of those associated with this residential schools who were a part of the dishonor, who were a part of the racism, who were a part of the abuse. We pray physical healing. We pray emotional healing. And God, we pray for a miracle an absolute miracle that somehow that you would give our indigenous brothers and sisters the ability to look past those who called themselves followers of Christ and find Christ. Find a Jesus who is there with open arms, familiar with suffering, willing to help, willing to heal. And Father, for us, for our church family, for all of us, black and white, indigenous, and uh, for wherever we are from, whatever our nationality, I pray that we would be your children. I pray that we would be people, not perfect people, of course, but people who represent you well. Joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, mercy, hope, but most of all, most of all, that we would be people of love. May that come to define us. We pray this in your name. Amen. So over the last few days, I've had some people come to me and ask me a great question. So what's Southside going to do? I've been doing a lot of thinking about that. So, so let me first of all answer that question by saying the number one thing that we're going to be doing in this next season is listening. We've been blessed as a church to have strong relationships with the First Nation community here in our city. In fact, I don't know if you realize this or not, but this church building that I'm standing in right now is actually on Cheacton First Nations land. What an honor. Isn't that incredible? What's really cool is that when we were setting up the contract to move here, and Dave Poole, our expansion pastor, was working with former chief Joe Hall, Joe had some people come to him from the indigenous community and say, are you sure that you want a church on Chiacton land in light of the history of the church and the residential schools? And Joe said to them something that I am incredibly proud of. He said, this is a different kind of church. You really need to go and check it out. Isn't that amazing? So we're going to work with former Chief Joe Hall and current Chief Derek App, and we're going to do a lot of listening. We're also going to continue to do all the things that we have been doing. Our partnership with the Chehalis First Nation School will continue. Our Food for Hope program will continue. Our Teacton Scholarship program will continue. But I think it's really important 
that I say on this Sunday more than any other Sunday, that we are here for this city. But specifically, I want to say it again. We are here for our indigenous brothers and sisters in this season. I've I've seen a lot of people say the last little while, every child matters. And I couldn't agree more. And we're here for every single person in this city, every single indigenous brother and sister. We love you, we're for you, we're with you. And we're doing a lot of listening in this season. So we're in this series all about the Ten Commandments. And I remember last week I said, it's really important, you know, that, that we kind of do three things in this season. That number one, that we stay informed. I mean, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of, a, a, a lot, a lot of stuff flying around and it's really hard to focus. So I want to ask you to do me a big favor. Can you please, however you want to, you know, whether it's Instagram or uh, Facebook or email, whatever it is, let us know how we can make sure you're informed. I'll give you one example right now. And you've probably already heard this, but this is the last week in which we're doing church online like this. Moving forward, we're going to be doing church online at the same time that we're doing our live experience. And I want to tell you something. That's not like we're going to, we're not going to put like a GoPro at the back of the facility and say, hey, enjoy. No, we've invested tons of resources, tons of time into making sure that starting next week, this online experience is only going to get greater. Our ability to to connect with you is going to get greater. Our ability to see a real part of what we're doing is going to get bigger. So get ready for that next week. I personally can't wait. So number one, stay informed. Number two, stay locked in. Stay locked in. It has been an unbelievable 15 months. Like even over this last week, I was kind of brokenhearted and I was asking myself, like, is this ever going to get better? Are we going to receive some good news? And there was this quote from C.S. Lewis that came to me. He said this, he said, God whispers to us in our pleasure. He speaks to us in our conscience but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Can I make a suggestion to you? We need to stay locked in because the world really, really needs hope. Because this last 15 months have been filled with a lot of darkness and a lot of pain. And I really believe that there's a lot of people, even though they, they might never articulate it to you, there's a lot of people saying, there has got to be more to life than this. And there is, and his name is Jesus. And we need to stay locked in because we need to show them the way. Which brings me to point three. Number one, stay informed, stay locked in. And thirdly, stay close. Because we need healing too. Like we can't give anybody what we don't have. So what I'm asking us all to do in this season is stay close to God in the midst of frustration, in the, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst, in the midst of impatience. Can we stay close? Can we ask God to heal us so that we can bring healing? Can we ask God to uh, reveal his love to us so that we can bring love? Can we ask God to give us hope so that we can bring hope? Let's stay close. And what I want to suggest to you is when we talk about the Ten Commandments, that's God's invitation to stay close, to come close to him, to step into the plan that he has for your life and for my life. So we're on commandment number five today. Of all the commandments for us to deal with, this is the one we're going to, and I think the timing is absolutely perfect. Listen to this. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That's Exodus 20, verse 12. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul quoted it. He said this in Ephesians 6. 
honor your father and mother, the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. Namely, you will live well and have a long life. You will live well and have a long life. Honor. What's a concept in 2021? What a concept. Honor. How do we make sense of that in a world that seems so dishonorable at times? You read through the Bible and over and over again, you see that we are to honor. We are to honor God, that if we honor God, he will honor us. We're to honor our mom and dad. We're to honor those in authority over us, according to Romans 13. In Romans 12, it says this, honor one another above yourselves. Ephesians 6 says that husbands should honor their wives and wives should honor their husbands. Honor. But the question has to be, First of all, what is honor and how do I apply it in this world? Well, honor is pretty simple. Honor is just a sense of love, respect, and esteem for another person. A a, a sense of honor is a sense of love, respect, and esteem for another person. But how do I apply it in this world? Well, I do want to suggest the Bible said there's a hierarchy of honor. That's why God started the Ten Commandments with the first three where God said, no other gods, only me, no idols, and don't misuse my name. So so, so our highest priority is to honor God. Why is that important? It's very, very important when you think of this. What if we are told, what if Romans 13 says, honor those in authority authority over you, and it does, and it does, and it does, okay? And then someone in authority over us, the government in authority over us, asks us to do something that God would never have us do, that God commands us not to do. There's a hierarchy. So going back in history to the end of World War II, in a town called Nuremberg, there was the Nuremberg trials after World War II, where some of the Nazi war criminals were put to trial. And what many of them did is they said, I only did what I did. I only caused the pain and suffering that I did to the Jewish people and to others because Hitler told me to. And the prosecutors and the judges at Nuremberg said, that doesn't work. There's a higher law. There's a higher standard. There's something higher to aim for. And that's true. So what do I do if I want to honor those in authority over me, but, but they're asking me to do something that God commands against? I honor God first. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. What if I'm a priest or a nun? What if I'm a clergyman or a clergywoman back during the residential schools? And the government says to me, this is what you need to do. You need to assimilate these boys and girls. You need to forcibly remove them from their home you need to dishonor their families, you need to practice racism, and you need to allow abuse. At that point, I would have to say, God forbids that. God says we need to honor one another. God says every person has value. God says that everyone is equal in his eyes. God says that we're supposed to treat everybody well as we would want to be treated ourselves. So I could never do that. Do you understand? So when I talk about honoring honoring, honoring. I'm not talking about blind obedience. I'm talking about love, respect, and esteem. But there's a hierarchy. And if anybody besides God, if if anybody in that hierarchy says, you need to do something contrary to the will of God, I say, no. No. 
Oh, okay. Okay. So, so I don't honor those who ask me to do something that God would never want me to do or, or, or ask me to not do something that God would always have me do. Got it. Okay, so what happens then, though, when I look around a world where so many times authority figures are not worthy of honor? Do I throw out the whole concept of honor? See, I don't think we can do that. I don't think it works that way. I don't think the Bible gives us that ability. Just because there are some that we can point to that we're not honorable doesn't mean that we can throw out the whole concept of honor. It reminds me when I was a kid... Every Sunday night, my little sister and I would get excited because Sunday night was the wonderful world of Disney. And we would sit down at the TV and we would watch Herbie the Love Bug or uh, Donald Duck or Mickey Mouse or whatever. And, and there was this one movie I remember called Snow White. And Snow White, there's this evil queen in Snow White. And she, every night she sits in front of this mirror and she says, mirror, mirror, have you ever, you're, you're too young, okay. But, but there was a movie and she said, this evil queen says, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror would always say, you are a queen until one day the mirror said Snow White and then it got all bad after that. But, but the point is, if you are going to choose to honor no one, you will end up like that queen. And your life will be mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest? Who's the smartest? Who's the rightest? Who's the bestest of them all? Me. And you say, no, 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 no. I have friends. I have people in my life in the exact same life stage as me, the exact same perspective as me, who think the exact same as me, and we hang out and I listen to them. No, that's just another version of a mirror. And God's plan for you is so much bigger than that, that you would learn to honor. In fact, the way that you learn to honor those in authority over you will in some way reflect and set how you honor God. And when you honor God, you will be honored. When I was 23 years old, I started teaching at a private school and I came in and I didn't expect this, but I came into the school and, and I experienced the phenomena of the cool new teacher. Do you know what I mean? Like I was kind of like the star of the school. All the kids loved me and thought it was great, and I was just a star, and I didn't expect it, but it was pretty awesome. Now, once the kids realized that I was pretty intense and pretty strict, I think their love waned a little bit, but I was still like the star of the school. The kids all loved me, the teachers all kind of looked to me, and I enjoyed it, to be honest. But as I looked around that school in, in, in the first week or so of being there, I noticed something that there was a large group of the students and a fairly substantial group of the teachers who did not honor the principal of that school. In fact, I would suggest that they treated him with contempt. So the opposite of honor would be contempt. No love, no respect, no esteem. I would listen to kids talk about the principal and they would derisively refer to him by his last name. And I would go into classrooms after school sometimes, I would hear, teachers talking about him, complaining about him, or making fun of him. And the thing that I didn't understand about it was that there was nothing that he was ever asking us to do that was against what God would have us do. There was nothing evil about him at all. I mean, I guess he wasn't the coolest guy in the world, but he was kind, he loved kids, and he knew a lot about education. But yet, for whatever reason, this group had decided that they would treat him with contempt. And now I had a choice to make. So what do you mean, Mike? Well, I remember I was the star. I was the cool new teacher. So I'm on this spectrum. 
the, the cool new teacher star. And then over here is, is this guy. And right now in this season of his life, he's being treated with contempt. And so what do I do? Do, do I say, yeah, 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 I'm way over here. I'm on the cool side. I'm just going to maintain that. I'm not going to be associated with this guy because that might affect my standing of star of the school. Well, I made a decision. Because I remember what the Bible says, that we need to honor God. We need to honor our parents. We need to honor those in authority over us. And we need to honor each other. And that when we give honor where honor is due, God will honor us. So I chose to honor that guy. I spoke well to him. I spoke well of him. I never referred to him by his last name. If I had a problem with him, because he wasn't perfect, if I had a question, if I had a problem, I would go to him. I would never talk about him. And what the Bible says is that when you honor others, God will honor you. Specifically, the promise says things will go well for you. Back in Exodus 20, God's about to lead his people into the promised land. So what's the promise? He says, if you honor your father and mother, if you give honor where honor is due, things will go well for you. I'll step you into your legacy, to this promised land that I have prepared for you. Well, I want to suggest something to you, that if I wouldn't have treated that principle with honor, I don't think things would have gone nearly as well for me as they did at that school because things went incredibly well for me. In fact, I don't think I would be on this stage talking to you because I think God had a path prepared for me and my honor helped me take that path. Does that make sense? See, there's a promise with this. You say, okay, Mike, you've talked a lot about honor, but why your father and mother? Well, specifically, I would say this. I would say on this planet, if you can honor your mom and dad, you can probably honor anybody, right? What's the opposite of honor? The opposite of honor is contempt. And I just really want you to think about that for a second. Con contempt. So what's that phrase? What, what is it that breeds contempt? Familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity, you know, that comes from the word family. See, it's easy to have contempt towards your parents because you know what? They're a different generation than you are. They see things from a completely different perspective than you do. And so God says, honor your mom and dad. If you can honor them, I think you can really get this concept down pat. And what's the promise? Well, the promise is things will go well for you. That God will lead you into this life that he has promised for you. There's a story out of Mark 6, which I think illustrates this really well. So Jesus is traveling around with his disciples and he's doing all kinds of miracles. He's, he's preaching, he's healing lepers and paralyzed people. He's bringing dead people back to life. He's calming storms. And then Jesus returns in Mark chapter six, he returns to Nazareth. And Nazareth is Jesus' hometown. It's where he grew up. Mm. The Bible says that when Jesus arrived in Nazareth, the people looked at him and said, who's this? Who does he think he is? That's the carpenter's kid. See, because Jesus' earthly dad was Joseph. Joseph was a carpenter. So they looked at Jesus and said, who is he to tell us anything? He's just a carpenter's kid. And it's very, very incredible because Mark chapter six, verse five says this, because of their dishonor, Jesus could do no miracles there. Isn't that mind blowing? See, I don't think Jesus suddenly became powerless, but I think there's a certain way that God set things up and Jesus wants to go along with the way that God set things up. Here's how it works. That God's power plays out in an environment of honor and faith. God's miracles play out in an environment of honor and faith. So God says here in his top 
10, in commandment number five, God says, honor your mom and dad. And if you do, you know what? Things are going to go well for you. And I'm going to move you into the future that I have planned for you. It's going to be good. Honor your mom and dad. So I just want to give you three ways that you and me can do that. Assuming that we want that in our lives. Assuming that we haven't given up on this whole concept of honor. And I know it's difficult. Maybe especially with our mom and dad who just don't seem to understand things the way that we wish they would. I think we need to. And I think God's promise is that things will go well for us if we do. So there's three ways that we can honor our mother and father. Number one, the first way is acceptance. Acceptance. I do not know your mom and dad. But I bet you they're somewhat similar to my mom and dad. I would describe them most likely this way. I would describe your mom and dad as imperfect people doing the best that they can. And I think you need to accept that. And I understand there are some, and I'm going to talk to you in a moment, whose parents do not fit that definition. But for a vast majority of us, we can take a really serious look at our mom and dad and say they are imperfect people doing the best they can. That's a radical concept because there's something in us. It's like a self-preservation mode that we kind of have a temptation that we want to divide the entire world into good people and bad people. Have you, ever, have you ever seen that? Like, these are good people and these are bad people. And the longer you live, the more people you have to remove out of the good camp into the bad camp because you realize they're not as good as you thought they were and they do something wrong and you have to remove them. And then there's some people that just really stand by that concept. Good people, bad people, define them. Good people, bad people. And that's really hard because what happens when you really, really want to stick to that? What do you do when someone who fits in your good camp does something bad? Have you ever seen the mental gymnastics that someone goes through to explain that? You know, like, let's say Fred is in your good camp and Fred gets a DUI and you say, uh, uh, Fred got a DUI. Wow. Um, hmm. He must have wanted to check out the inner workings of the criminal justice system. That's why Fred did that. No, it's not. It's not. Fred was an idiot. Fred got sloshed. Fred got behind the wheel of a car and did something absolutely horrible and dangerous. He put himself at risk. He put other people at risk. Fred might be in your good camp, but he made a big, big mistake. Or people who have this bad camp. And what do they do when someone who's in their bad camp does something good? So Frederica Fred, Fred, Fred and their siblings. Okay, so Fred and so Frederica, she is in your back. Do you know that she gave two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to Southside Church because she wanted to bring more help, more hope, more home to our city and to our world? What do you do with that? Because you thought, oh, she's she's just manipulating. No, no. There's something true about Fred and Frederica. Their names are very similar, but in addition to that, they are imperfect people doing the best that they can. It's a really radical concept. Can you accept it? Imperfect people doing the best they can. Imperfect people doing the best they can. If you want to honor your mom and dad, you need to be able to accept that. Because here's the thing. The fact that they're imperfect, you can get stuck on that half of it your whole life. Right, right. Imperfect people. You, you, you can find enough fodder on this side to be a victim your entire life, to complain your entire life, to be bitter for your entire life, for your entire life. But what if you take it as a whole? Imperfect people doing the best they can. Well, then you can honor them, can't you? 
See, if you can see that they're imperfect people doing the best they can, then, then you can move past acceptance and you can move into appreciation affirmation. But before I do that, some of you are looking at me going, Mike, you don't know my mom and dad. They were not just imperfect people doing the best that they can. They were evil. They harmed me and they harmed others. And they're more than imperfect. They're evil. And first of all, I want to start out by saying I'm really, really sorry. That's never the way that this world was intended to be. And I'm so sorry that that's the way that your parents were. I don't know how they got that way. I'm guessing somewhere along the line, they, 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 they were treated that way. And something opened up inside of them or, or, or they made a number of decisions and, and to, until basically they were, um, it was demonic. They were controlled. They were evil people. So what do you do then? I, I think you have to honor them still. And, and, and really, if, if you grew up with evil parents, I really think there's only one way you can honor them and that one way is to forgive them. It's really interesting because, as I said, if your parents treated you that way, I'm guessing that um, this isn't new for their family, right? Like, they were treated that way. And it goes back generations. Hurting people, hurting people, broken people, breaking people, shattered people, shattering people. That's kind of the way of this world, isn't it? And what happens is you get like this really, really horrifying family tree where it just rolls on and on and on and on and on through the generations. And what I would say to you is that you, you need to honor your mother and father by forgiving them be, because God's miracles play out in an environment of honor. And I know that God wants to do a miracle in your life. Here's what I know that God wants to do. God wants to stop the horrifying family tree from growing anymore. The way that I would say it is this, God wants to take an ax to the poisonous roots of your horrifying family tree. He, he wants it to end with you. No more abuse, no more hurt, no more shattered, no more. And God wants to take an ax to the poisonous roots of that horrifying family tree so that he can plant a new tree of hope and grace and love and nurture and kindness. But the challenge is, is as God wants to take a, an ax to those roots, if you're clinging so tightly to, to the hurts of your past, God can't get an ax in, and so you gotta let it go. And I really want you to be kind to yourself because God looks at your heart. So I'm not saying you're never gonna feel another sense of anger or sense of bitterness or sense of rage again. You gotta let it go. No, but I'm saying God sees your heart. And if you step back and if you let it go, God will take a, an ax to the root. And as you honor your parents in the only way that you possibly could, by forgiving them, a miracle happens. And a new family tree is born. And everything changes with your generation. You might never see your parents again. It might not ever be safe or possible to do so. But you can still honor them by forgiving them. So number one, it takes acceptance. For a vast majority of us, we look and we say, you know what, my parents were imperfect people doing the best they can. And then the second step is appreciation. 
Like, I don't think you were really a picnic, Therese. Do you think you were? Like, you should actually ask your parents sometimes, what was it like to raise me? And you say, oh, I was an angel. Are you sure? You should probably ask them. Like a few months ago, I did a, a series where I told a lot of stories from uh, when I was a little kid. And I remember one Sunday afternoon, my mom texted me and she said, man, Mike, those, those stories bring back so many good memories, but I got to tell you, you were exhausting. And I bet I was, and I bet you were too sometimes. You should appreciate that. You should appreciate that those imperfect people, that they did do the best that they could. You should appreciate the moments. You should appreciate the kindness. You should appreciate the efforts that they made. Like if nothing else, maybe you could appreciate this. It costs about $250,000 to raise you. Maybe you could at least appreciate that. So first you need acceptance. Your parents are imperfect people doing the best they can. Number two, you need appreciation. And number three, you need affirmation. You need to articulate your appreciation. You need to tell your parents. You need to pray for your parents. You need to do stuff for your parents. What's funny is as your parents get older, they get less busy. You know what I mean? But, but, but it's about the time that you're also getting older and you're getting way more busy. But what's hard maybe for you to realize right now is that for your parents, you are like their crowning achievement. And so in the midst of your busyness, you, you don't just need to accept them or appreciate them. You need to affirm them. You just need to pray for them. You need to speak life to them. Say, thank you. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for spending 250 grand on me. Thank you. And, and you need to do things. You need to go out of your comfort zone and make sure that even in the midst of your busyness, as they kind of, as they kind of get less busy, that you spend some time together. That's honoring. And what's the promise? The promise is this, that if you honor where honor is due, that things will go well for you, you know? And, and God will move you into that life, the abundant life that he has promised you. So just one last thought before I leave this. This is really convicting if you're a parent. Be because you think to yourself, what's the promise? What's the promise for my kids? The promise for my kids is that uh, things will go well for them, that God will move them into the abundant life that he has promised them, if what? If they honor who? If they honor me. So what's one of the most important things that I could ever do for my kids? I could be somebody who's easy to honor. And that's not easy. <laughs> but it's not. And I, I, I came up with three Ps. It's not any kind of exhaustive list, but... Um, the first P is just prayer. Pray for your kids. Pray that they would be people who are able to be thankful and be gracious. Pray for you. Pray that God would change you to be easy to honor. Pray for your relationship. Pray for your kids. Number two, be positive. It's amazing because you know your kids, they're imperfect people, doing the best they can. That's a lot like you. And what did I say to them earlier? I said they needed to um, accept. I would take it a step further, parent. Celebrate the things they do well. You could spend your whole life focusing on the things that they fall short in, but why don't you celebrate the things they do well? And finally, the third P is apology. I know it's not really a P, but 
apology. I think the easiest people to honor are people who honor us. And I think it's possible for a parent to honor a child. And I think one of the most honorable things that you could do as a parent is to go, hey, can I talk to you? I could have done that better. I'm sorry. I didn't handle that well at all. I'm really sorry. I was angry and I hurt you and I am very sorry. That's going to make you really easy for your kids to, want, to honor. And if you're easy to honor, you're going to be moving them towards that promise, which is things will go well for them. I was just thinking, you know, what a world we live in. Wouldn't it be easy to stand up here and say, yeah, it's simple. It's really, really simple. Here's what you need to do. It's just like everywhere you look, there's amazing, honorable people who keep their word, who do nice stuff, who are always kind, who never hurt anybody. Just honor all of them. But that's not the world we live in, is it? And it got me thinking about you. And I don't know exactly the road that you've traveled. I don't know what your parents were like. I don't know what your friend group is like. I don't know what you've walked through in life. But I do know this, that there is one at the top of the honor hierarchy who will never let you down. That John 3.16 says it this way, that God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son, that God loves you. He's for you. He's always kind. And he sent Jesus. And because Jesus died on that cross, what it means is that we can move past our past. Not only do we receive forgiveness from our sins so that we don't have to carry around our mistakes, but we get the power from Jesus to slowly but surely begin to heal. As God takes an axe to the poisonous root of our horrible family tree. And because Jesus rose again, it means that we can honor him and follow him into the abundant life that he has promised us. So, man, I don't know how much stuff is breaking apart in your life and how many people have let you down, but I know this, God will never let you down. Jesus will never let you down. The Holy Spirit will never let you down. He'll be with you every single step of the way. And so the first way that I could suggest that we could step into this promise would be to invite Jesus Christ into your life. So if that's you, wherever you are right now, let's, let's pray together. You can pray along with me as I pray out loud. So dear Jesus, thank you. Today I honor you, Jesus. That in a world where it's easy to see all the people who let us down, that you've never let us down, Jesus, that you came and you paid the ultimate price so that I could be forgiven and free today, tomorrow, and forever. So I hand you my sin and my shame. I hand you my regret. I hand you my hurts. I pray that you would uh, lead me to a place of healing step by step. And also, Jesus, I honor you. Today, right now, I want to follow you one next step at a time into the life that I was born to live today, tomorrow, and forever. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, number one, I'm so excited. And we'd love to support you in this new life. So you can just text the keyword life to 604-670-3040. We're not going to stalk you, but we are going to support you. One last thing. Earlier I talked about the fact that we got to be locked in. We got to stay locked in. I think that's true. I think we're, we're about to kind of enter into this new season as a church. I think it's going to be amazing. But part of it is we need all hands on deck. And we're excited about the future of church online, but we could use a little bit of help. So I'm going to ask you right now just to take a moment. If you're willing, wherever you are watching these sermons, wherever you are watching these services, man, could you be a part of what we're doing? Would you be willing to 
take a second right now and just text that same number, 604-670-3040, but just text the keyword serve. Man, I'm really excited about the future of church online, and it's going to take all of us to make it amazing. So just take a second and do that. I love you. Next week is going to be amazing. It's the first time we're going to be doing church online and church in person all together. And we're going to talk about an amazing commandment that you really need to hear. Don't kill anybody. Now we're going to talk about anger and you're going to love it. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.